Well, Frank, my thoughts are very similar. The vast loneliness up here at the moon is awe-inspiring. It makes you realise what you have back there on Earth. The Earth from here is a grand oasis in the big vastness of space. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Hey Matt, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that that was Jim Lovell. Am I right? It was Jim Lovell. Of course it was because... Yes. Because, yeah, he's talking to Frank, of course. Frank Borman. I like all of that. I like every single bit of it. I, I love and, it. And, you fact. know, Oasis yeah. were a good band too, weren't they, Matt? <laughs> Oasis. The first two albums are acceptable. First two albums. Oh, and where did it all go wrong? Where did it all hey, go Matt, wrong? Hey, Matt, on this day, mm-hmm. 1988, mm-hmm. Abdul Ahad Momand. Moman. I'm going to go with Maman. Yeah. The first Afghan in space um, returns aboard the Soviet spacecraft Soyuz TM5 after nine days on the Mir space station. What do you think of that? I think that's really, really cool. The first Afghan cool, right? in space. I mean, You've got that's got to be a proud day, isn't it? I can't believe an Afghan's been to space. That's amazing, isn't it? It's great, man. They've they've seen they've seen better days since then, haven't they? They Ooh. have seen better days. Long may those days come back. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a genius one um, for space legend of the week. Such a beautiful voice. Thanks. Who have we got? Uh, well. Born on September the 10th is, hmm. guess who? Me. I'm born on September the 10th, Jamie. What? But I'm not. Matt, yes. wait a minute. Are you meaning to tell me that in five days' time, mm-hmm. you're going to be 60, is it 63? 69, Jamie, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, oh yes. So, oh dear, what a couple of clowns. Oh Matt, well I'm excited for your birthday. Yeah. But who whose birthday are we celebrate? Yeah, so but celebrating on the, the same day as me is one of the greatest astronauts of all time. Go on. Born in 1933, Yevgeny Vasilyevich Grunov. I'm really glad it was you who had to pronounce that. Yeah. Yevgeny. Yevgeny's one of my favourite names. I really like that, don't you? Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, he's a Russian colonel, an astronaut, who passed away in the year 2000. Well, Matt, let's go through some, let's go through some stats. So, so he was born in Prudy. Yeah. Tula Oblast. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially interested in pursuing farming, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. A farmer. Uh, but but luckily for us, Matt, mm-hmm. his interest soon went into flying after he watched the planes during wartime, and then he went up soon after. So in 1952, he got drafted into the Soviet Army. Bummer. He, he pursued his interest as of becoming a pilot and applied for pilot school, and after graduating, became a, a lieutenant or a lieutenant, as we say in Britain. Krunov yes. received promotion to senior lieutenant on August the 6th, 1958. So the following year, he was interviewed along with Gorbatko in regards to becoming a cosmonaut, although they were not told that this is what they were being interviewed for. That's quite a weird one, isn't it, Matt? Went, went for a job interview and didn't know it was for being a cosmonaut. I'd love that kind of interview. Why haven't I ever yeah. gone for one of those interviews, Matt? <laughs> 
yeah, this is this is getting the cool times as well. Nineteen fifty eight. So yeah. yeah, he went up in nineteen sixty nine. So this is going to be the fiftieth anniversary of this very very soon in January. So he went up on Soyuz five, which was the Soyuz mission using a Soyuz seven K OK spacecraft. One of my favourite Soyuz is. And uh, yeah, on the fifteenth of January, nineteen sixty nine, and it was to dock with a Soyuz four, which had launched on the previous day. Yes, so on sixteenth of January, it was the first ever docking of two manned spacecraft by any nation, and it was the first ever transfer of crew from one space vehicle to another by any nation. Uh, but because they, unlike the Apollo missions that had an internal crew transfer, Alexei Yelisiev and Yevgeny had to do a spacewalk from one to the other. Wow, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, and they did that on their 35th revolution of the Earth. But uh, I believe Yevgeny got his um, a bit of his spacesuit caught on something and it oh. uh, distracted Alexei and he forgot to roll the video so there's uh, really so, so yeah so there's no high quality video because you can watch all of this on YouTube I'll put a link in the notes but there's a, like a whole YouTube clip of this all happening but the one bit that's rubbish is this video bit where they're going where they're actually doing the spacewalk which is a bit annoying yeah it is uh, yeah but uh, so yes, they they flew up on Soyuz five, but went home on Soyuz four. But the poor pilot of the Soyuz five, and I bet they're really glad they went back on Soyuz four because Soyuz five, the service module didn't separate when it went into the atmosphere, so it went nose Ooh. first, and so Boris Volnov was was literally hanging by his restraining straps. Uh, and the atmosphere burnt through the um, service module, and then luckily the craft righted itself before the escape hatch was burnt through, and then the parachute lines tangled, and the landing rockets failed, and the resulting hard landing broke Volnyov's teeth. Oh, God so damn. That, that's what's known as a rough landing. Squeaky bum time. Well, I'm glad that it was only his teeth and not anything else. Yeah. Now, according to um, a news agency, the TASS, they stated there was a mutual mechanical coupling of the ships and their electrical circuits were connected. Thus, the world's first experimental cosmic station with four compartments for the crew was assembled and began functioning. So it's the first space station as well. How about that? It's just historic, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, no, it's really cool. So he is our space legend of the week. One more cool fact about a good old Yevgeny. Go on. They were all supposed to be honoured by Leonid Brezhnev, Hmm. the great Soviet leader, during a lavish ceremony at the Kremlin. But while uh, Brezhnev was on his way there, there was an attempted assassination of him uh, and someone shot at the wrong car in the motorcade that was carrying none other than Alexei Leonov, Georgi Beregov, Andrian Nikolaev, and 
Valentina Tereshkova as well. So, like, <laughs> literally firing at four uber legends. And Brezhnev basically sped away, leaving the Soyuz crew on the podium waiting. So they never got their lavish ceremony that day because of the assassination oh. attempt on poor old Leonid Brezhnev. Russia, oh. stop being naughty. Mm. Also, by the way, other than myself and Yevgeny, born on September the 10th, mm. we also have Mike Mullane, who is an oh. American, also an, a colonel, an astronaut, yeah. born in 1945, so a li- only a little bit uh, younger than uh, Yevgeny. But he um, he flew on three space shuttle missions in 1984, 1988, and 1990, but probably most famous for his book Riding Rockets, The Outrageous Tales of a Space Shuttle Astronaut. I haven't read that one, but I'm going to. Do you know what? I ordered it. I ordered it. I've been buying quite a few space books recently. I bought a fantastic one by R.A. Smith, written by Arthur C. Clarke in 1954. And, And this copy that I've got, uh, has come via the Hamilton Air Force Base in in America. Blimey. Check you out with your clangs. And it cost me a fiver on Amazon. Oh, I need to borrow that after you. It's got really famous pictures in, like the lunar landers, which essentially the Apollo lunar landers were based on. Well, Matt, it'll be good for me if it's got pictures in. Is it, is yeah, it a pop-up pop up too? It is. It's a pop-up book. Exactly. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been buying loads of space books. Riding Rockets, I, I also got on Amazon for two ninety nine. How about that? Do you know what I'm rereading at the moment, Matt? Mm-hmm. A Case for Mars by our man Zoobs. By the Zoobmeister. The Zoob Doctor. Dr. Zoob. Sounds like a children's book, doesn't it, Dr. Zoobrin? It does. <laughs> <laughs> particularly when hey, Matt. particularly the way that uh, that uh, Brian Blessed says says it Zubrin oh, Zubrin um, Matt it's <laughs> I don't want you to leave us hanging any longer it's time for my favourite feature okay you ready to sing give it? me the jing give me the jingle space word of the week now you tell me what podcaster has better lungs than Matthew Russell <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Franklin, you go. Do it. Space word of the week. Nice. That was my kind of baritone operatic. I've got I've got loads of spokes, Matt, in my vocal wheel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh dear, but I tell you what, Matt, it's an exciting one. Yes, it is. I'd like you to tell me about Boilerplate. Boilerplate. Now, it doesn't sound exciting, does it, Matt? No, it doesn't. But But it it is, is, isn't it? Yeah, yes. So, Matt, this is a metal replica of a spacecraft, but usually heavier and cruder for test purposes, non-functional craft system, or payload, which is used to test various configurations and basic size, load, and handling characteristics. The most recent example of a boilerplate of course, was what? What do you reckon? Oh, I don't know. Hit me. Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster. No way. It's a little bit of a not quite a dummy payload because it doesn't Mm. represent the actual payload that would go up. But it is a kind of boilerplate. So, yes, boilerplate spacecraft were used to test 
normally crewed spacecraft. So mm. the Apollo missions had boilerplate craft. Most noticeably, the Mercury capsule from Cape Canaveral that went up on Big Joe 1. Oh, I love Big Joe 1. On, on September the 9th. So we're just about to have an anniversary of that as well. And the objective of Big Joe program was to test the Mercury spacecraft, so a blating okay. shield, right? So, so they sent up this boilerplate version, and this looked just like a Mercury spacecraft, but wasn't, but a pretty good uh, rendition of it. And you can go and see that boilerplate at the National Air and Space Museum in Virginia. Definitely need to do our American road trip, don't we? Mm-hmm. Boilerplate is actually boilerplate steel. So that's used. So the boilerplate steel is like this thick steel that you roll into sort of cylinders to make boilers from, obviously. There was one capsule that was actually made out of boilerplate steel, and that was used as a beach abort test. But for some reason, that phrase boilerplate has stuck ever since to mean a test article that goes on top of the rocket. Well, check it out, Matt. Yeah. In information technology, a boilerplate is a unit of writing that can be reused over and over without change. Also, boilerplate code. So in the eight, sorry, in the 1890s, a boilerplate was actually cast or stamped in, a, in metal ready for the printing press and distributed to newspapers around the United States. Amazing. Not only that, yeah, the newspapers used to send boilerplate versions of the news headlines so that they couldn't be changed. Yeah. But yeah, it could be, it can also mean smooth overlapping and undercut slabs of rock and climbing. Sick. If someone's written some kind of really predictable piece of text as well, you might call it a bit of a boilerplate. You know, some novels that have got really cheesy phrases in might be a bit sort of boilerplate-y. Matt, how's talking of cheesy novels? How's your novel going of the of the horse rider? Like a, the front cover looks like a Jilly Cooper novel, doesn't it? It's going really well, Jamie. Horse rider in space, is that right? Yeah, it's horse rider in space. And the main character is a bit of a spiv. And I've kind of based him on you, if you don't mind. Oh, that's fine, yeah. You don't yeah, even have good. to use a pseudonym. Just, just, just call him me. The funny thing is he has to use ladders to get onto the horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Not even angry. Um, so we, we, we had a couple of corrections. Surely not. Yeah, I told you it was a little bit contentious about my ESA having two launchers and NASA oh, having God. none. Who pulled us up on it? ESA. <laughs> what? ESA pulled me up on it. The oh, European God. Space Agency pulled me up on it. Could you please tell me what they said? They said... Hi, guys. Great podcast, which is pretty cool, isn't it? Nice. We love David Baker. Need a couple of corrections on your stats, though. Ooh. Satellites in orbit, you forgot Galileo and the Sentinels. Now, I'm going to defend myself here. Uh, the Sentinels, yes, I probably didn't count them all properly. But Galileo, I wasn't going to count because I'm not counting the American GPS system either. I didn't count <sighs> that. Because it's not just... An ESA mission, it's it's like a, a European Union mission, hence all the controversy with poor old Britain and Galileo. Sure. So I'm not going to... So I, I know Galileo's obviously launched by ESA, but yeah, I'm going to go with... I, I reckon I was okay with that one. And for the launchers, they were saying, don't forget we've got Soyuz coming out of Kourou, which of course I haven't. Um, 
But again, if I'm not going to, if if I'm going to say NASA don't get them for the deltas and atlases, I can't say that ESA have them for the Soyuz. And the Soyuz, when it goes up from Kourou, is still counted as a Russian launch. When everyone saw, mm. there's a few grey areas there, Matt. Is that what you're saying? I was saying that it was going to be a little bit controversial, but I, even though I've been corrected by ESA, I'm. St- <laughs> <laughs> it's just st- nice to get I'm it's just nice to, to get a shout out. Yeah, it is absolutely awesome to get well, a shout out. Thank you, Issa. Sorry about Matt's poor knowledge. If you really need the stats, come to me. Give Jamie a call. Hook me up. Um well that's great. And we also got a little bit of a correction or a little bit of clarification actually from uh-huh. our brilliant friend of the podcast, Paul Fjeld. Oh, what's he saying? Big Paul. He He's saying, hey, Spodcats. Basically, wanted to talk about Don Isles, uh-huh. who David Baker did mention on the podcast as being involved with the guidance, navigation, and control systems for Apollo. That's right. Paul wanted to point out that Don would be slightly embarrassed because he was quite junior at the time for the, the whole sort of navigation, guidance, and control system for Apollo. But he did have his claim to fame when it came to programming bits for things like the the lunar computer landing and the Apollo 14 abort switch glitch. So uh, right. he came up for a fix for that. Yeah, that was so do he's uh, yeah and and he apparently he highly recommends Don's book Sunburst and Luminary an Apollo memoir. Wow. So, Check it yes, out peeps. once I once I once I finished reading Riding Rockets I'm going to get that one. <laughs> Quote from Don's book um where he describes himself he says worked on the apollo project from 1966 to 1972 and on the nasa space program until 1998 as a computer scientist at the mit instrumentation lab and charles Stark draper laboratory in cambridge massachusetts he created flight software for the lunar landing phase of the moon mission and invented a sequencing system that is in use on the international space station he is currently a writer photographer and sculptor working Ooh. in boston I would love to check out some of that work, including the and, book. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, well done, Don. And that was great to have some uh, uh, some feedback from Paul as ever. Good work, Don. And Paul, thank you once again, sir. Thanking you. This is what we love. I've got some few news items for you, Jamie. Hit me. There's an Ariane Group supplier called GKN. Uh-huh. That's GKN Aerospace who are from Trollhattan in Sweden, uh, and they're going to be 3D printing the turbines for the Prometheus engine. I know it's one of my faves, Matt. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, I'm only excited because of the name Prometheus Prometheus. to do with the film Prometheus. Well, hopefully the engine will be better than the film. But... Guys who were working on Prometheus, don't sweat it. I know what you're doing is equally as epic. But it's it's yes, it's going to be better than the film. So Prometheus might be one of these. Well, it will be one of these new uh, types of engine that use methane, like the Raptor and the BE4, and might and will be part probably of of the European Space Agency's kind of newest breed of rockets. Then we might see it be on Ariane Six. We might see it on the first reusable. Ariane spacecraft. This is great Very news. exciting. Matt, can we get a 3D printer? Do you know what? Uh, George is hassling me to get a 3D printer. So I think so it's yes. time we buy one, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 3D print our first rocket. Do you know, get this, 3D printing the turbine parts it gets the number of parts from 100 down to 2. What? I know. So instead of having 100 parts, you've only got two parts. Crazy tings. So, yeah, it makes it lots cheaper. Loads cheaper. Now, here's the funny... Remember last week we mentioned about the hole, the hole that, that has been spotted in the yeah. MSO-9 spacecraft? Mm. Well, just after we taught, a whole bunch of pictures uh, were up on the web mm. with it on. And it's clearly been drilled from the inside, right? So it wasn't, as we feared, a small alien... I'm kind of gutted. It was actually someone drilling out, and uh, Rogozin, our, our, my my fave at the moment, he said, he said that the hole was clearly done by a human hand attempting to drill a hole. It's a matter of honour for Energia Rocket and Space Corporation to find the one responsible, including determining if it was an accident or deliberate, or more intriguingly whether it was done on Earth or in space. So let me ask you this, Matt. Are you saying mm-hmm. now that my prediction of panspermia is not going to happen? That's ruled out. That's ruled out. But oh, a, more f- intriguing, a more intriguing thing is that someone on the International Space Station is trying to sabotage the mission. Proper Matt, this film is, stuff. This is going to be a Hollywood film. And there was a picture of Alexander Gerst doing some drilling that day as well. Just Matt, to, if, just to, just to, if just we're going to gonna be in more. this film, obviously reporting mm-hmm. as the as the space hacks Ser- we uh, are as, as serious journalists. Yes, yeah, serious space hacks. What? Um, mm-hmm. Who's going to play? Who's going to play you? Childish Gambino. Who's the Scottish <laughs> Childish Gambino? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Danny. No, what's his name? Uh, Donald Glover. Yeah, Donald Glover um, plays Matt Russell. And what, who's who the, plays Matt, who's the guy who's, no, who no, plays... No, 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 that's, that's sorted. That's sorted, Jamie. No, there's no, no point, there's no no point with your... No. I, thought, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suggest, um, who's the guy who plays Hagrid? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but who would play you? It's got to be either Pitt or Depp, isn't it? It's just got the oh, looks. I know, I think Andy Serkis. Yeah. What as Gollum. So Matt, yes. what what um what else is if I was gonna say to you opportunity survival? The fifteen year old opportunity that was only supposed to work for a few days. Yeah. That's been going for fifteen years now, trundling around Mars, doing a fantastic job. Uh-huh. Um obviously it went into hibernation because of the dust storm, and now now the dust storm is settling. Um, NASA have decided that they're going to give it 45 days to um, respond. Mm. And then after that, they're going to um, just occasionally try and get it to respond. But they're, ne- oh. they're not going to send it any more commands right. if it doesn't respond in January. Okay. So they, d- they don't want to risk you know, it sort of going halfway through a command and not, not having enough batteries to do it. So it... it it might be the end of opportunity, but we'll see. We've got like 45 days to see. Well, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I've got good hopes, Matt. Yeah, so one last news item. Go on. The first um, United Arab Emirate astronauts being selected. 
so this is Hazza al Manzuri, yeah, fighter pilot, and so, I love this name, Matt Sultan al Nayadi, an engineer. Yeah. that will begin training in Russia soon uh, mm-hmm. for a flight to the ISS next April. How ace yeah. is that? So they made it down from 4,000 applicants. So, yeah, they don't know which one of them is going to go up first. So, yeah, and, but they'll know in a couple of months who's, which, which of the two has been chosen. That's, that's harsh, isn't it? That's a, that's a kind of, oh, down to the last two. I've got to go train in was, Russia. If it was down to our, like we were the last two, Matt, would you start like sort of sabotaging my spacesuit and stuff? I don't really roll like that, Jamie. I would just assume yeah. that I was going to beat you because of my, you know, sharper intellect and more powerful frame. Yeah. The thing is, you say more powerful frame, but I think if it came to it, you would lose in a battle. I suppose it's like the sort of difference between a lion and a tardigrade you're right tardigrades might win i'm more like the komodo dragon i might not have the height but i've got the tenacity you've got the hideous bacteria between your teeth this is it i'm like the (laughs) joe pesci of 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 you are like joe yeah joe pesci would play you in the movie about he totally would wouldn't he yes yeah joe pesci and donald glover play matt russell and jamie franklin what do you mean? Like I, I amuse you? Like I'm a clown? <laughs> One of the greatest scenes ever. Well, you, you're like that as well. You're a little bit like that. Oh, I hope not. Hey, Matt, um, I tell yes. you what, um, we've got a great interview coming up, haven't we? Yes, we have. We've got a really good interview, actually. It's with Kate, who's from, the, you know Kate, from the Planetary Society. She, 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 she replaced our Uber friend, Harriet. Ah. Oh. Miss you. Miss you, Harriet. To head up the Planetary Society in London. And uh, she's now currently doing one of those simulation things. So she's locked up in a lab somewhere. No way. For how long? I think this one's three weeks. But you'll find out from the interview. I don't want to, you know, don't want to spoil any surprises here. So, yeah, so she's locked up in a thing called Lunaris. L-U-N-A-R-E-S. So, yeah, if you want to find more about that, that's lunaris.space. We will check that right out. So, so yeah, this is the interview before she goes in, and we'll have a little chat with her when she comes out. It'll be really exciting. So, Perfect. Do you want to listen to this? Ecoute. Full hedge. Hello, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, hi, Matthew. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, my name is Kate, which is short for Yekaterina. I'm uh, from Estonia, and at the moment I'm studying my um, Bachelor's of Physics at the Open University, and I'm also doing public and educational outreach as part of my um, role as an outreach coordinator in Planetary Society. In a few days' time, I'm going to Poland to participate in Lunaris mission, which is a new stepping stone for me because it's going to be something completely different and unexpected. I'm going to be coordinating the set of experiments, and the particular one that I'm excited about is going to involve coast and pirate telescopes that are based on Tenerife, and uh, which are kindly giving me, well, the access is giving me uh, by Open University as part of our cooperation. So I'm going to be playing with robotic telescopes. 
Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit a bit more about Lunaris before you go into your uh, into a little bit more detail about that? What what is Lunaris and 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 what are they up to? Well, it's a space base. It's a simulated space base and a laboratory for research for space research purposes in Poland. It's run by um, Space is More. Um, they own the place. They provide all the equipment. Um, other partners include the European Space Agency and a few um, institutions in Poland. Oh, as well as um, advanced concept team from European Space Agency and um, International Lunar Explanation Working Group, um, who is actually run by my good friend um, Bernard Foying. That's a lot of collaboration. Absolutely. So, it's, so it's it's similar. I, I suppose it's similar in scope to say something like Mars, the Mars Five Hundred, or the other high seas, except it's more about the Moon, presumably. Uh, no, we had an option to choose from Moon or Mars. And uh, as a team, we came to the conclusion that um, we want to focus on something more realistic and maybe a bit more relatable um, because there's so much happening around Moon right now. Um, so we just thought, yes, we're going to do the Moon, which is on a time scale, it's closer to reality. Oh, I get it now. Lunaris is the Moon and Aries <laughs> Mars combined. Ah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, that 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 took a while for the penny to drop. So yes, you can go to lunaris.space if you if you need to see a little bit more about that. Yes, so tell us a little bit more about your experiment and um and why you came to write it and and the excitement around it. Well, at the moment, so I will be um as part of the crew, I'm going to be crew medical officer. So I'm going to be in charge of um, documenting all the medical logs and doing all the um, evaluations of the astronauts that will uh, go later into the main uh, research. So all our heart rates, our temperatures and our behavioral um, trends will be my duty, I, I guess, as well as I'm going to be in charge of hydroponics which is basically growing things without soil, uh, which is very new to me, and I don't know what to expect. And also RPM machines, which is also growing things and working with seeds in an environment closer to, like, microgravity. Mm -hmm. Or this is my understanding of the experiment so far, because um, when we're going to be on the mission... We're going to get the full guidelines of what is happening and why it's happening and what we're supposed to be doing. It's the long-term experiments which we're running throughout the whole um, other nine missions or eight missions before ours. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to be continuing long-term experiments. And mine, my experiment, will involve using robotic telescopes remotely because I'm going to be in Poland, they're based in Tenerife. I'm going to have some lifetime and I'm going to be looking at uh, stellar clusters um, in some particular regions of sky. And um, well, the aim is to run the experiment from both telescopes. They're slightly different in their capabilities. Well, hopefully this uh, the findings that I'll have will prove that we need 
a telescope on the moon because um, Earth's atmosphere is very um, unsupportive of observations. So we have to uh, make sure that the weather is under control, that the clouds are not there, there, the light pollution, well, that's the specific to the region and so on. So it's not very friendly to creating some science, to be honest. Well, I hope to just add to the whole body of knowledge in that field to, to support, hopefully, a telescope somewhere in the future on the moon. What, what is it about being on this simulated base that, uh, that's allowing you to um, get, get some data? Yes, no, it's going to be just practicing the remote abilities of just doing everything remotely. So, protect, well, potentially, we'll be able to be the same on the uh, on Earth in any location while operating um, quite complex technology outside of Earth. So, Moon or potentially Mars or anywhere else. So, it's just proving that it's well possible. We know it is, but mm. how? possible and how complex or how what are the obstacles maybe because mm -hmm. i don't know what to expect just an evaluation of how easy it is to um get the things done are, yeah. are they going to be sticking any kinds of delay into your commands and them being operated on the on the on the telescopes no, no, not this time. I don't think so. But actually, we have Mission Control, which is operating from European um, ESTEC, mm -hmm. a European Science and Technology and Engineering Center. So they are our Mission Control, which might create some challenges for us. I'm not sure what their purpose is. And we signed quite a lot of non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect. Well, are they going to be making our life difficult or are they going to be helping us? I have no knowledge of that at the moment. So in a way, your experiment is almost flipping it on its head, isn't it? It's, it's kind of you're simulating operating telescopes from the moon that are on Earth to test whether, teles whether, you, whether you can operate telescopes on the moon from Earth. Is that right? Have I got that the right way around? <laughs> well, kind of. There are a bunch of uh, measurable outcomes that I can produce. One of them is basically, can I? Yes, probably I can. Is it difficult? Well, that depends. And obviously, there is a this experiment that I want to, a bit more scientific part of it, mm. which is about quality of images or uh, some other trends that I can see. but. Um, I will be documenting everything mm -hmm. as I go so I can um, acquire as much information as possible. So it's going to be in terms of podcasts, there's going to be maybe some visual video videos mm -hmm. that we can record because um, we're going to be running daily logs as well. Mm -hmm. Everything will be documented, even, for example, such things like how isolation will affect my cognitive abilities and affect the way I can produce experimental data or something like that. So wh when does the experiment run from and when does it finish? We are officially starting on 25th of August. Uh, we're going to have a few days beforehand 
um, with all the medical checks, all the briefings, the last goodbyes. Um, and uh, then we're going to be in isolation up until 9th of September when the experiment is finished. So when can we get you back on the podcast to uh, to have a debrief? From 10th of September. Because I need I need a little breather. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> for about a day. <laughs> for only a day. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I'd be really interested in how yeah you are affected by even just a small trip away like that and into an environment like that. It'd be really interesting. I'm not a big fan of isolation as well, so um, it's going to be quite challenging for me. Other than this, of course, you're you're you you took over from Harriet at the Planetary Society in London. What have you, what have you been up to with that hat on? We uh, we've done a few events. We've done um, Space Up London that uh, happened in July um, this year, which was quite nice. It was um, quite productive in terms of. Um, discussion so we got um, lots of people engaged we had uh, interesting point of views we had very good speakers i loved my speakers yes um yeah the speakers were fantastic and, and yeah and everyone that attended was there's such a great it's such a really great event that if we're getting everyone yes talking, yeah yeah um, i will be probably involved with um space up leicester mm-hmm. that's um that is planned sometime in November um, by one of my colleagues who I actually met on Space Up London. Uh, we also have a monthly um, newsletter, mostly with the um, events around uh, London area and sometimes UK um, that we have a sign-up list for. And we also ha- run um, run Facebook page yeah. uh, with some news and little bits and pieces uh, which are space related so we act very independently from the main um, office in Pasadena. It's quite exciting isn't it that uh, that people can run these experiments and be part of things like this. How, how did you get involved was it via your open university? I just applied I applied to so many things because I wanted to get involved into something this year and well one of them accepted me uh based on what i don't know but i hopefully hopefully they i'm gonna fit into the team in terms of skill set do you know who make up the rest of the team what what sort of people are they are they are they from all over europe or the world i don't know we have a a mix and match so uh, we have an engineer we have a physicist so, yes, we have someone with space and industrial design uh, background. We have computer science and robotics background and a person with mechanical engineering background. And also we have a person from dentistry background. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> You're all what... having your teeth removed. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, no. Um, then um, people from um backup crew or people who were on the mission before us uh there are quite a lot of neuroscience uh, background and space engineering uh so yes aeronautics um planetary science space engineering astronomy 
So we're all a bit different. We're from different countries. So in terms of our mission, we have, well, me, Estonian. Then we have Slovak, British, and Polish nationalities, which is a good mix. So everyone is from somewhere different. Mm -hmm. The working language is English. So hopefully we'll be all fine. Presumably everyone involved is, they're they're all sort of interested in space and science. So you know you've got something in common. It's not like going into Celebrity Big Brother or something like Uh. that. Oh yes, <laughs> Sorry, not, not quite that. Not quite that mad where they've deliberately <laughs> chosen a, a bunch of people that won't get on. So uh, no, 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 no. Well, thanks very much for, for for coming on. We'll get you on in September and find out yes. what what the heck happened. I would like to know that as well. To be honest, it's it's coming it's coming up close. And at the end of September, by the way, we've got um, we've got our hundredth episode on the twenty eighth of September at uh, at the British Interplanetary Society. So if you want to join us for that. That'll be lovely. Yes, absolutely. That's on Friday, the 28th. So yeah, come and join us. I'm going to le- I'm going to leave you to get on with the rest of your day so you can start packing and getting ready and saying bye-bye <laughs> to, to, to your friends and stuff. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yes. The Interplanetary Podcast is... Alive! Uh, we got 47 patrons now. What? That's so cool, isn't it? Let's read out our patrons. Our saviours. You have been listening to the Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, Putting the A's back into space. space. Now, none of this, and genuinely none of this, would be possible without the kind unbelievably superb space legends we talked about space legends earlier but these truly are i mean of our time the podcast Mm -hmm. age these are our Mm -hmm. heroes so matt let's read them out we have for the first time on the podcast roll call anthony peggs oh papa anthony bless you bob hodges of course bob is just like i mean what do you say about bob Bob's been there from the beginning, man. Salt of the earth. My new Canadian friend, Catherine Carr. Catherine, I'd like to say thank you. Another genius, Erin Edwards. Erin is, again, another mainstay for us, Matt. Thank you very much. He's been there so long. And a very, very active member of our Discord, Mr. John Benack. Thank you, John. You're a wonderful man. Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts, the big JR. Now, here's another legend who's been with us so long now. It's Mr. Karel Sim. Oh, again, just legend awesome. after legend now. Karel, Legend after you. legend. And then we've got, we've got three more legends to finish off with. Go on. Matt Gilliland. Oh, Matt. What have we done to deserve you? Richard Swain. I like to call him T Swain. It's like a rapper's name, isn't it? Or maybe Young Swain. Yeah. Well, how about Lil, Lil Swain? Apologies for that. But we just we just want to say thank you. And of course, Julio Aprea. Oh, he's he's our main man. He's our main he's man the main on the man. inside world of space. We said it before. We'll say it again. If you are enjoying this podcast. It doesn't take long to head over, and it really does. We couldn't do it without your donations. We will never have adverts, will we, Matt? No, 
Despite my kids are desperate for me to have, why don't you have adverts? And I'm saying, no, they're so used to adverts on everything. You know what? Mm. All of these other podcasts who have 10 minutes of adverts selling stuff, you know what I'm going to say to you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're the real deal. We're the real deal. Real deal. So, and thank you to the other 40 patrons who've been donating. Just, it's it's You so know who cool. you are. It's so cool. Just got so many, yeah. And just, we uh, love literally, you. Literally, every time I get a new patron message, it pops up. My, I get, I'm so, I'm so, I'm just left so happy. Matt goes all fluttery, gets goosebumps. Thank you very much for everyone who's ever donated and been part of the patron family and uh, of course if you really want to help us in a non-financial way whiz over to itunes and give us a nice five-star review that'd be that'd be brilliant as well in fact in some ways be even more epic don't forget the 28th of september friday is the 100th episode live in Vauxhall at the british interplanetary society if you're close by Come down. If you're not close by, then Matt, it's going to be on YouTube. Featuring Mud is the band. You'll actually get to see our ugly mugs. David Baker will be one of our guests. Matt's already confirmed that there's going to be pretzels there. So I, for one, am excited. Oof. Bottles of wine. Oh, maybe, yes. maybe some peanuts and other nibbles. And it'll be a chance for you to see one of the greatest space libraries in the world. And see pictures of Arthur C. Clarke and things like Hotel and and a massive model of Daedalus and a massive huge model of Delta Two. So yeah, just make your just make your way down and and yeah, Apollo memorabilia signed by Buzz. Ah, Exciting! Get yourself down to the historical British Interplanetary Society. I'm off to learn rocket science in Russian. What are you up to? I'm off to learn how to use flex tape to uh, fix a hole in a Russian spacecraft. Totally beaten Whilst me. speaking in Russian. Backwards. Right, Matt. I'd like to wish everyone a good evening and good morning and good night. Good night. Bye-bye, Spodcats. Bye-bye, Spodcats.